Hey, welcome to the Fusion ATL podcast. This is Pastor Vance. If you're not familiar with Fusion, we are the Young Adult Ministry for Victory World Church in Norcross, Georgia. We meet every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Feel free to follow us on Instagram at Fusion ATL. I hope you enjoy this message and we look forward to seeing you soon. Fusion! It is good to see you. As you can see, we have some chairs up here, so we're going to do things a little bit differently tonight. But man, how are you guys doing? There we go. I love the energy. Man, it's so good to see you guys uh, back for another Tuesday night. You know, it's the best place to be on a Tuesday night. And I'm excited for each and every one of you guys who came out. We have something special. Uh, everybody who's watching online, we have something special. You guys know we've been in a series called Explicit. Have you guys been enjoying the series so far? Good. Because we're continuing this thing. You know, we, we've talked about Samson for the last two weeks. Uh, and I've invited some, some special guests. And before they come out, I just want to say a few things. Uh, number one, man, when we have guests... Man, I want, I want this to be a place of such honor and celebration because whenever somebody's coming to minister to you from here, it's not about, you know, some, somebody trying to be important, but there's a lot of work, there's a lot of prayer, there's a lot of effort that goes into preparing to minister uh, to you guys and being available for God to speak through us to you. And so you guys have the, the luxury of being able to come in and receive, you know, what somebody has, has prepared for a while to do. Uh, and it's all to serve you. And so because of that, we want to make sure that anytime somebody's coming here, this is a place of celebration and honor. And we show that we appreciate that. Amen. Okay, so I have some some special guests with us. They're actually pastors here at our church. Some of you guys may know them from our forward ministry. Some of you guys may know them from our Emmaus ministry. Uh, some of you guys may know them from, from preaching on the platform, pre-married life. They serve in a lot of different capacities. Uh, but I'm so excited for how they're going to help us unpack what we've been talking about tonight. Can you guys stand to your feet and give a warm welcome to pastors Israel and Sonia Piotr? It is good to have you guys with us. Uh, I'm sure a lot of you guys were here when Pastor Israel preached for us last year, uh, an amazing message. And you guys just always bring such cool, fresh perspective. And that's what I'm excited about tonight. Do you guys have anything to say just to start off? We want to say, hey, (laughs) y'all. It's good to be here, you guys. It's so good to see at least half of your face. You guys are looking amazing. We're so happy to be here. So it's going to be good. Yeah, and we just have a huge heart for you guys. I mean, you guys are just this wild, radical tribe of Jesus lovers. And so we acknowledge that and we see that. So it's really an honor to be here. Awesome. Man, well, uh, just to prep you guys, as you know, you guys know what we've been talking about for the most part. For anybody who doesn't know what we've been talking about, we've been in a series called Explicit, where we've been talking about sex um, and for particularly sexual integrity, but also a lot of other areas. We, we've dived into the story of Samson for the last two weeks. Uh, and last week, we, we talked about Dead Places and Delilah. Um, and it was just that Samson was always in the wrong place at the wrong time, wandering into the wrong spaces. And it really took away from God's plan and his purpose for his life. Uh, and so I believe that we've been stirring up convictions for the past two weeks. I don't know. Has anybody been feeling that? You Have you been feeling some convictions stirred up for the past few weeks? Okay. So a few people being real in here. <laughs> but I mean, even studying for the message, you know. Uh, what I mentioned last week was, man, I wonder what's hanging in the balance for you, you know, because there's always a cost associated with, you know, the decisions that we make in life. And, you know, the enemy's plan is always to not have us do God's plan, right? Like that's his plan for our lives. It's just don't do God's plan. Anything I can throw in your way to keep you from God's purpose for your life. That's what I'm going to do. Um, and, We've been stirring up these convictions, getting some perspective on maybe some of the things that we should do or shouldn't do. But I wanted to invite you guys in to color in some of those black and white lines. Right. So to to help contextualize, help us to navigate some of the nuances of it, because as we've talked about for the past two weeks, a lot of times we know the right thing to do. 
and we still don't do it. Right. And because of that, you know, sometimes we need uh, just some guidance in helping to navigate why we're not necessarily doing the things that we want to do. So before we jump in, I do have a question for you guys. But before we jump in, I just want to pray. You guys cool with that? All right. So let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for this time together, Lord. I thank you for the beauty and the power of your word. Lord, I thank you that you you cause us to come alive in our spirits, Lord. Only you can do that. Uh, only you can cause transformation in our lives. Only you can change the way that we think. Only you can renew our minds. And Lord, we thank you that you are faithful to do that. Lord, I thank you for every single person in this place, uh, wherever they are in their journey with God, with you, Lord, I thank you that you see them, Lord, that you know everything that they're navigating, you know every thought that they're having. You know every concern that they have. You know every question that they have. So, Father, I just invite you to speak, Lord. We invite you into our hearts. Lord, we posture ourselves in a, in a posture of receiving from you, Lord, ready to receive from you, knowing that as we seek you, you respond. When we seek you, we will find you, Lord. And when we draw near to you, you draw near to us. That's your word. And so, God, I thank you that as we're drawing near to you in this time, on this subject, uh, navigating challenges in our lives. You are faithful to meet us, Lord, and you want to speak to us. And so we just say, have your way in this time. Holy Spirit, help us to decrease and for you to increase in this place, Lord, for you to just speak to our hearts in a way that maybe we wouldn't have expected. And I just pray that you would give us insight into everything uh, that we're needing. So Lord, we love you. We praise you. Let your name be glorified, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So um, the first question that I have, and we got, we've talked about this a little bit, but the first question that I have is just, as I mentioned, you know, we've been stirring up some convictions in this time, right? And uh, we've talked about the, the first part of last week's message, we were talking about dead places and how Samson went up to a carcass that had honey in it, and he was eating honey out of a dead body. Um, and he was eating a good thing from a dead place. And God created honey. Honey's good. Honey nourishes us. Um, it's a good thing, but it's not supposed to be eaten out of dead bodies. Right. Samson was a Nazarite. He wasn't supposed to go near those things. Uh, and he was just going in the wrong places, right? Um, and so I want to ask you guys, just along those lines, oh, I wanted to define the dead place piece. Just with the dead place, it being any behavior, habit, anything that offers you an alternative to God's plan for your fulfillment. Um, and that makes it a dead place because it cannot come through on its offer. Um, but as we're talking about keeping these convictions going, what are some of you guys' thoughts on how we can keep our convictions going to staying away from things that God doesn't have for us? I think, you know, and, you know, kind of what we're talking, our goal when we were talked about this is, it's all good, dude, no one's on that. <laughs> our, our, our goal in all of this is really to kind of create this living room space yeah. where we could just have this conversation and invite you in on what we thought while we were having this really good discussion about the sermon. We, we heard the sermon. It was really, really good. And so just kind of our thoughts, we're talking, we're like, man, I wish that everybody could be in the room on this. Yeah. And so we just want to invite you into that private place with us where we're just having this discussion that, you know, we've thought about, prayed about. But this is, this, this is an organic thing that's happening. And you are, you're just invited in this space. Yes. Um, so kind of answering, to answer your question, I think to keep our convictions up, I think what we need to do is we need to ask ourselves, like, what do we want in life? Yeah. And what do we want from God? Um, and so here's, you know, my, my thing is this. My statement is this is I want to be as passionate for the Lord as possible. I want to be as absolutely passionate for the Lord as possible because I think what we do is we live a life that is based on thou shalt not. It's, it's our, our directive, our mission, our purpose statement is maybe one thing, but then when we go about living, it's don't answer that text, don't look at that person on Instagram, don't answer, don't answer that DM, right? Don't respond to that flirtatiousness. Don't call back my ex. Don't, 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 don't. And we've rehearsed this series of don'ts. And what our life has become 30 years down the road is a lifestyle of restriction and restraint. And that's not relationship. And honestly, that's not freedom. But if we ask ourselves this wonderful question, what do I want? 
What do I really, really want? And the Lord says, this is not about restriction and restraint. This is about relationship. This is about being proactive. This is about being aggressive. This isn't just about setting up a good defense to what the enemy throws at you. Because I get it. Like, you go out there, you step out in the world, and you're just stepping into a whirlwind of sin. Like, you walk out of your door, and it's like, like, sin's... And like it's dragging you down, like this umbrella's breaking. You're like, oh God, help me, Jesus. And that's 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 like your story forever. And it sin's not gonna get any lesser. The the neon light of sin is not gonna grow dimmer in time. It's gonna get brighter, it's more seductive, it's gonna trick us more, it's gonna find new ways to enter into our lives very covertly. And so we practice this defensive posture, but when you start moving on the offensive. And just really being aggressive and having this passionate, on fire, wild, uncontrollable relationship with Jesus. And that's when it comes down to you asking yourself this, this big question. What do I really, really want? Uh, so like, here, there's this verse. It's, it's up there. Should we, let's talk about this verse real quick. But it's just one. We talked about, we're talking about this and I love this. But David, David says this. David says this. Um, in Psalms 27, 4. And it's not going to be on the... I want you to listen to it. I want, you to, I want your heart to perk up its ears and hear this. Not your brain. This isn't for your brain. This is for your heart. All right? He says this. One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. And he says this. To gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. This is his desire. If we can work on the lost art of gazing into the eyes of the Lord and learning how to be still and not content, because content is like bare minimum. It's like right here. I'm talking about being fulfilled and satisfied with the presence of the Lord and that our one request is that let me live here. Imagine what your life would look like living out of this out of this moment. I love it. Yeah, and a lot of us, I think, you know, to add to what you're saying, Israel, a lot of us um, may be in a place where we don't find that beautiful or find it fulfilling because there's been, maybe there's been a lot of brokenness or maybe, um, you know, there's been a lot of kind of being out in the world and just kind of taking it all in taking all this sin, taking all the, the um, alternatives. Um, and so that, that's going to, um, it's going to mess up your divine appetite. Yeah. Um, you know, I was just, we were talking with Vance last week that, you know, you ever try to eat vegetables after you've eaten like a whole bag of chips? It's gross, right? Like, I mean, even if it's like your favorite vegetable. Um, Veggie chips. Yeah. Veggie chips. <laughs> Not veggie chips. But like if, if you eat a bag of Cheetos and then try eating a carrot, see how that tastes. It's going to taste disgusting. Now, is that carrot good for you? Absolutely. It's going to give you everything you need. It's going to give you nutrients. But it's going, you're just going to like, you're not even going to be able to, to take it in. And so when it comes to, you know, how do I um, keep up my resolve to get rid of the dead things um, that comes to my mind. And also, um, a lot of times what happens is there's things that are not healed in our past. There's, there's places where there was death, you know, where, where there was death um, that we have not grieved, you know, that we have not invited Christ into those places. And I'm not talking about like, I lost my grandmother when I was five, although maybe that, that's part of it, you know. But what I'm seeing is um, like a wound that happened. And really, that's, that's really the definition of what trauma is. And a lot of times people think trauma is this, like, really complicated thing. It really is just a wound that is still bleeding. So if I uh, had an accident when I was five and I'm still bleeding from that wound that's that's trauma and so a lot of times because we've known that brokenness we think that our whole lives is going to be about that um and so we don't have even our our hearts are closed you know our hearts are closed 
to really tasting that goodness of the Lord because we're so used to the pain or used to the brokenness or we're used to the sin or the addiction or whatever it is. And so all of those things, that's the plan of evil to like what Pastor Vince was talking about last last week, that there's a real agenda. It's not like these are just things that are happening randomly to you. Like there's a plan that Satan has against you. It's a force coming at you. And um, a lot of times that's, that's what really starts messing up with our desire, our resolve, our wanting to do the right thing, and somehow we just can't get there. Yeah, trauma definitely affects the way that we see things, the way that we experience God, the way that we fellowship, connect, the way that we date, uh, the way that we look for a spouse, the way that we see the church, the way that we see leadership. Um, and so that undealt with trauma, we may feel or think that we've gotten over it when all we have done is really gotten old from it. And so what we need to do is we need to just take kind of a moment where we're able to allow the Lord to process some of those old hurts, uh, bring them to the surface so that we can deal with them with Jesus, so that now our experience in life isn't tainted or marked by those experiences of our past. Yeah, and another thing I want to add to you is falling in love with Jesus um, is really going to be the thing that's going to keep you attached to him and the things that he has for you. Because if we're not in love with Jesus, like what Israel was saying earlier, then it's just going to be a life of do's and don'ts, like do's and don'ts, like don't do this, don't do that. But when you start really like seeking God, like, God, I really want to fall in love with you. And maybe I'm not in a place where I am in love with you, but I want that because you created me for that, right? Like we, we were created for true intimacy, like what you were talking about last time. And so when we are created for true intimacy and we just fill ourselves with all this stuff, then we're not getting what we were created, what we were created for, which is that heart relationship, that attachment. And the best way that I know to be attached, to get your heart attached to Jesus, is really to invite him in the painful places. I mean, that's really how I've grown to be that's my main attachment is Jesus. Yes, I'm married to a wonderful man and I love him with all my heart. But Jesus is my main attachment, right? Yeah. And that's not like he wants me to be. He wants that because it's like I want a wife who's going to know I'm not going to be God to her. Like he wants a wife that's going to be like Jesus is my everything, you know. And so how you grow the attachment to God is start inviting him in those places, the places where you're embarrassed of, the places where there's been shame, the places where there's been pain. I guarantee you, if you start inviting him in those very tender, um, intimate places that maybe you haven't told anybody about, your addictions, whatever things that you're attracted to, like when we're attracted to the dead places, like start inviting him there, right? Because if you start inviting him like into that, like, God, oh my God, like I'm attracted to this. I want to do that. Like this happened to me when I was five years old. Yeah. You're going to it's part of our biology. The way we're created, our brain is going to start to make connections toward that object, that object of our affection. The, the best friend, that's why you get so attached to your best friend, because you tell him everything. And so if you start telling God these secrets that nobody else knows about you, your heart, you're, you're, making the, you're building that attachment to Christ. So good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you can clap it up for that one. You said it well, man. Like you talked about, like we keep going to the dead places. And I think there's like a prayer we say after this. And we're always like, all right, Lord, I went back to that dead place. I'm sorry. But what if we moved that prayer up a few minutes? We could scroll back, rewind the videotape, and just go to the place where we're looking at the dead carcass and we're about to engage. Yeah. What if we said, uh, hey, Dad. Hey, Jesus, um, I'm attracted to this thing still. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm still drawn to this. Speak to me here, mm-hmm. now. What would that look like in that moment? Mm-hmm. How beautiful would that be for him to rescue you? Mm-hmm. And then what happens after you've been rescued from a moment like that? Your heart follows mm-hmm. the person who rescued you. 
Isn't that beautiful? That's amazing. That's so good. There's so many things I want to dive into with that, but I just want to affirm that right there. I think that that is a huge key in our walk with God when we don't spend our time, like when we don't only engage with him about positive things, when it's not, when our relationship with God isn't relegated to positive things like, okay, God, I know that you like this, me going to church, me doing the right thing. And so that's when I engage with you. But then when I'm tempted to go up to something that I'm not supposed to be near, that's when I try to like shut the blinds to my life. And it's like, I'll get back with you later, Jesus. And I'm going to go get in this mess. And then when I'm finally done with this mess, I open the blinds back up like, hey, God, you know, I'm ready. What? But seriously, I think that a mark of maturity is knowing that God sees the whole thing. Like he's he never leaves. And if we just operate and live our lives as if he never leaves, it's not like, oh, God is just present when we're at church. And then when we leave here and we might mess up or whatever it is that we do, then we have to come back into his presence. It's he's with you. We got to get rid of this mentality that the Holy Spirit is a four year old toddler that it gets scared at loud noises. Mm. And so every time that we sin, God's like going, ah, <laughs> like it runs under a table. Hurry up, do it. Covers his eyes. With. But that's, I mean, God is there. And I mean, I think, you know, I don't know. I, I want to say this. I think we could say it here. Um, I want to say it. You probably can. I can? Yeah. I think I should. All right, you talk to me after whatever I messed up. So, okay, so I do help guys and women with certain issues that are very taboo. And um, anytime that there's a sexual addiction that is present in someone's life, you know, I'll get called into it and we'll give them a pathway towards a discipleship and healing and wholeness. And one of the small groups I was leading several years ago, a long time ago, um, we had this message about basically where the Lord comes in. And even while you're sinning, um, your sin's not ugly enough for the Lord to cover his eyes. He doesn't cringe. He's still with you. He's still there. And so in that moment, um, one of the guys came back, and he was just in tears. He says, can I just share something? I've been watching pornography, and I've been giving into masturbation for the last, you know, 20-something years of my life. And I just realized that the Lord never ran from me and that he still was with me, loving me and pursuing me. And he just starts to cry. Like, he weeps. And I'm like, oh, man, this is, there's no shame, dude. He's like, no, no, that's not why I'm crying. I'm crying because I just realized how much porn I made my Jesus watch with me. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, my God. And I'm You're like, like, yeah, go ahead and cry. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, that's, I was like, that's pretty sad, dude. No, I didn't say that. But there was this level of conviction there. Um, here's the beauty of that is that, um, he's free because it wasn't the, the hard discipline of God smacking him on the back of the head saying, don't do this. It was the love of Jesus that chased him into that dark pit and said, we're not going anywhere until you give me your hand and I rescue you from this place. And it was that bold statement of love, that boundary breaking pursuit that called him out of that place and into true life. And so that's the beauty that we need to understand is that when we start to live at a place of like, go be in love with Jesus, stir up your affections, your devotions for him, love, love, love. That's the place where we, we move beyond restriction and restraint. And it, it becomes a relationally driven um, partnership with the Lord that's based on love and not behavior modification. Because if all you're doing is focusing on your behaviors, you're going to get that right for about six months. But if your heart remains the same and you don't invite God into those places and you don't surrender it to him romantically, I know that's a little weird, I'm going to say it and you can translate it later, but if you don't give yourself to him in that way, then all of a sudden you will go back to behavior. Now once you surrender your heart, your behavior is a little bit more easier to tame. 
And the reason why our, we go back to our behaviors is because we're asking God to change our behavior without inviting him into our heart. And that's why we go back to ground zero. That's why we circle back to our old stuff. That's why we go back to dead things is because our heart hasn't been changed and healed. We're just simply working on our behavior. We're simply trying to forget that that dead thing exists. Let me forget the path of where it goes. Let me just try to bury the dead thing. No, work on your heart. Discover why you're attracted to that, why you're drawn to it. You know, the Lord will reveal to you why that is and then replace it with something better. So good. Man. Yeah, you guys can clap it up. Um, hey, can I say something real quick too? Yeah, just, go ahead. Yeah, there's yeah. This, so there's this, and I was thinking about that scripture, like the honey. Yeah. Um, like, have you seen the bee that makes that honey? Like, have you Googled that? You're thing? Talking about the vulture bee? Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. That, that thing is looks so creepy. Look, that thing, <laughs> that thing looks like it stepped out of a QT bathroom at four in the morning, drunk. Uh. That thing is, it's like crotchety and soddy and like, it's the worst thing ever. And then here's, here's. He ate that. That's yeah. disgusting. Well, it's funny, but like the way this bee processes things, Sam it, not it doesn't, like it doesn't go through its, the full cycle of processing. So the honey that it makes, isn't like the regular honey that's like you see at like, you know, farmer's market or sprouts for like $42. It's basically, <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it's not, it hasn't gone through the whole digestive process. So they say that it's, it's toxic. Yeah. Actually. So interesting. Yeah. Interesting moment. I was researching this. It's why I didn't bring it up because it gets so deep. Yeah. Right. Um, so there's kind of two different directions. It could have been vulture bees, or it also could have been that uh, because of the climate and how much time it took, that it actually could have become such a clean skeleton that regular honeybees would have built a hive there. Wow. You never know. But, ch- but either way, yeah. it's disgusting. And if yeah. you haven't found out about <laughs> vulture bees, it's... nasty well what i'm saying is and thank you for saying that what i'm saying is let's say that samson let me let's go there yeah yeah. samson was no expert on bees right like he's not like he didn't google that before not like let's just say that he's just naive and here's the deal like i'm asking god i'm like what is it with this what do i say to the people of fusion tonight and god's like tell him i know the devil Mm. tell him i i know him i know his character and here's the thing about that honey is if the enemy should choose to destroy you, he's going to use toxic honey. He's going to use poisoned, deadly honey. When he comes at you, Satan, this generation, you, he's not coming at you with skulls and crossbows. He's not coming at you with that death flag, that pirate flag that says, do not enter. No skulls and crossbones. He's coming at you with honey. And you better know to tell the difference. You better know how to distinguish what is right and what is wrong. What is vulture bee honey and what is sweet honey. Scripture says, taste and see that I am good. That's good. Know me. Your desire better be this going forward. Lord, let me be a connoisseur of your love. love. Train my palate to crave you to love you because I want to be able to walk up to something from 20 feet and discern immediately that that ain't us. So good. That ain't you, Jesus. It looks like you and that bee flies like you, but that is not Jesus. And your friends are gonna be like, come on. And you'd be like, no, I, that's not it. Yeah. That's not it. That's so good. And you, you know what came to my mind, even as you were saying that Man, some of us are in here like, well, I'm not addicted to pornography. I'm not doing anything too crazy. But I want us to examine a lot of different areas of our lives where we can encounter dead places. Because some of the things that I talked about is, was even like causes and movements that don't uh, align with the will of God or the word of God. Right. And as you were talk- as you were talking, uh, the word toxic came into my mind. Right. Uh, as you were talking, I was thinking about not just causes and movements, but also theologies, right? And doctrines. And there are so many different doctrines, YouTube pastors, 
YouTube preachers, YouTube philosophers, man, offering this toxic honey uh, for us. And man, I just I wanted to talk about that for a second because we have to be able to to taste and see. Because there, I mean, scripture talks about it a ton, talks about false teaching and how it's going to invade the body of Christ. And what I found is there's so much information out here and the enemy is looking for any, any gate that he can come through to oppress you, right? And to, and to taint your view of God, to toxify it. And so, you know, for you, it may not be pornography. It could be them late night YouTube conspiracy videos, for somebody in here or watching online, man, we can have an addiction to conspiracy stuff and you don't even realize how it starts uh, because it, it toxifies what's growing in your life. You start getting this strange fruit, you know, where you don't really reflect the heart of God or understand the heart of God. And I just want to warn us against that because I think that's another uh, another type of toxic thing that the enemy offers us is something that appears true, right? Or, or uses an element of truth, but is not the whole truth. And it can actually uh, just be toxic for our entire relationship with God because it, it messes up our understanding of who he is. So we're not able to relate with him correctly. Um, we can start to have this view of him of being uh, more aggressive or whatever it is, man. I, what I've noticed is a lot of times these, these doctrines always lean more toward like this militant God who probably likes you more than he likes other people because of what you know, who you are, what you look like, what you believe. And it's not true. It's toxic. And it takes away from the unity in the body of Christ that Christ actually desires. So we see in John 17, as Jesus prays, he prays for us to be one as him and the father are one. And there are these toxic doctrines that are coming out here that are causing these individualized relationships with God where it's like, man, I have it together and nobody else does. And I just see it creeping into the church and just wanted to address it. That's huge. I mean, and and that's happening a lot. There's this idea that my personal narrative, okay, um, triumphs over scripture and doctrinal teachings. Wow. And th- that is what's happening right now. So it's basically the idea of I can still be this and love Jesus. I can still be this and a Christian. I can still do this and be a Christian. And if it doesn't involve transformation of the Holy Spirit, if it doesn't involve change and maturation, it's probably not God. And so we've got to start keeping that at the forefront of their minds. Anytime that people start to include with their, their personal belief system into their theology, we've got to start really being careful about what am I listening to. And I'll, I'll kind of put it like this. The eye of the needle in which a person must pass through to follow God is not made out of elastic. It's not made out of elastic. That means that it doesn't stretch. It doesn't stretch to fit you. You can't wow. bring all your baggage in there. Okay? You got to shed some skin. Wow. And if there's no shedding, if there's no sacrifice... It's not a follower. So good. Yeah, I want to add to that. I think it's, you know, transformation is is a huge part of of our walk with Christ. Um, And and if there's a doctrine that we are following where there is no transformation, where we're just like, oh, yeah, if you feel like doing this, just do that. um, That's not the true gospel. When it comes to the true gospel, there is going to be suffering. And I think a lot of times, especially in our American culture, we run from suffering. We don't know how to embrace the godly kind of suffering. And I understand that there is a suffering that comes from the evil that the enemy maybe has tried to bring against us. Usually for many of us, maybe in our childhood or maybe um, through a relationship, that's a wrong relationship that we've gotten involved in. Um, so there's that suffering, suffering from doing sin, suffering from um, maybe abuse or that someone else did to us. There's suffering there. But then there's a suffering that comes with a relationship with Christ that is a good kind of suffering. And I think a lot of times we forget about that. And, and the reason why I'm bringing that up is because and the true gospel, there is suffering. And in the, the false doctrines 
sometimes there is no suffering. And I think I would say maybe many times, most of the times, the ones I've heard lately so far, it's all about do what you want and, and do whatever you want with your life. And so there's no suffering of transformation. And we are called to be transformed. And it is a, it is a lifetime of doing that. Um, I don't believe that we end that journey here on earth. We end it when we get to with Christ in heaven. Um, but it is a constant transformation, you know, and the, and the, the, I think you shared the, the Philippians scripture last, last week, but I love the first part of that scripture that says work out, you know, work out your salvation. And so that means that I have to put my heart into it. I have to do things that are hard for me to do. That if there's something that I'm attracted to that is, that is not good for me, that I'm going to have to put a lot of work into, like what Israel was saying earlier, like, let me be curious about why I'm attracted to that. Um, let me be curious about inviting the Lord into, God, why is this, why do I feel even this attraction to this thing? And let me invite him there instead of trying to hide it. Because a lot of times that's what we do, just kind of, um, subconscious, unconsciously, we just kind of try to hide it from the Lord. But he already knows. So you might as well just start telling the Lord. That's the thing about Samson that when you're talking about is Samson didn't put the work he needed to put the, right. to do to yeah. become the man that he was called to be. Yeah. It wasn't to be his destiny. Yeah, it was too easy for that him. Wasn't, that wasn't to be his eyes gouged out in between two pillars. That wasn't it. He was technically supposed to be called as a savior. Like, like he was supposed to kind of help people, yeah. um, but he didn't do the work, and so that's where his that's where his 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 death yeah. ended. Like that's why that's how he died. He was attracted to the wrong things, and then he didn't do the work. So what we're talking about here is, as humans, we're going to be attracted to wrong things. Okay, let's just put that out on the table. We will, but what do we do? What, what kind of work are we putting into our own process of sanctification? You know, what kind of work are we putting into to manifest the goodness of the Lord that he's already put inside of you? What are you doing? If you're just like taking it easy and everything's good, then I can tell you maybe you're not putting enough work and, and, and again, you come, you, you, not, not like, um, let me just make sure I clarify this, because the work we put in is from a place of, he's put this inside of me, how do I manifest it? How do I bring it out? You know, so we're not working to make it happen. Jesus already did that. He already bled, he already died, he already did everything he needed to do for us to have the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living, too, and in eternity. But I'm talking about how do I manifest what I know he's put inside of me? And what are the things that are blocking me from getting there? That's good. It reminds me of the instruction that God gave to Joshua, because he tells him, hey, you're going to be successful in this. uh, But here's how. Keep this book of the law continually on your lips. Meditate on it day and night, and then you will be successful in what you do. And I would imagine if Samson would have done that, if he would have kept the word of God close to his heart, uh, just how David said, I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. And we're seeing this contrast between Samson and David, David, who actually like lived out, wasn't perfect, but lived out the plan for his life um, versus Samson, who died in, I mean, it, God still accomplished some things through Samson, and, and he accomplished uh, some important things through Samson, but just not in the way. I, d- I don't want to go out with my eyes gouged out right. and, for the, and for the plan to be accomplished through my death and destruction, me crumbling under a building. Yeah, like died. Yeah. he died like ashamed yeah. because he had totally given in what he was created to, to hold. Right. So imagine if... Samson would have taken that approach. Hey, I'm going to hide your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Uh, imagine the person who was the physically the strongest man on earth. Imagine that person also having the wisdom of God and operating with the wisdom of God. And I think sometimes, you know, we overcomplicate some of these things. You know, even as you're talking about suffering, the awareness of the need for suffering comes from knowing the word of God. 
then you're, uh, then you're able to understand his heart and know that uh, your suffering is not always a result of the devil. You know? there, there is such an interesting parallel between Samson and David. Yeah. I mean, what we really talk about, then they say this, David accomplished what Samson couldn't do. I mean, both their lineage, if you study their culture, where they came from, um, the way that they were both set apart for the Lord to do great things for their nations, one failed, one succeeded. And if you look at some, one of the major key differences is that Samson longed for intensity. David, who was the successful one, longed for intimacy. That's good. Okay. So what you see Samson doing, he lived a life constantly edging. And constantly edging is like this. And I think we're kind of there as a culture. Like we're kind of at that place where like we're good here, but man, like when we do this and we live all the days of our life like this, like walking on the edge of life, not really sinning, I'm saying this close to it, feeling the gravity, feeling the wind pull you in, watching others go down, seeing life that's not over here, but just watching it. Eventually, you're going to get pulled in. Now, here's the thing as Christians, we, we long for that. Just, it's part of our humanity. We want that excitement of living on the edge. And so we're edgers. We live a life of edging. Why? Because our bodies and our minds crave intensity. It feels good. Our brains begin to be rushed with all these chemicals that take pain away and that really build up this level of excitement and attraction and connection while we're out there. And I mean, it's so radically satisfying, but it's temporary. And eventually it sucks us in. It draws us in and we fall and we ask ourselves, why did I do this? It's because we live a life of edging. And Samson lived a life always on the border going to the place where he shouldn't have gone. If you study this, he's, that's what he did. He cruised the borders. That's what he did. And we cruise the borders. But David, on the other hand, understood the power of intimacy. And he craved for it. He says, all I want is to dwell in the presence of the Lord, to gaze upon the face of God, and to live here forever. And so here's how you see this difference played out. Okay. Whatever David touched in scripture, it's all worship, it's all prayer. I mean, it is cataloged full of prayer and worship. When we read about Samson, his whole story, one prayer. Wow. One prayer. Wow. You know where that prayer was at for Samson? It was in between those two pillars. Man. His one prayer defined his death, but David's prayers defined his life. Mm-hmm. We want to be so yeah. good. We want to be a young generation of radical believers where you live a life outside of your prayers, not ending in regret with one, and that's it. And what I love about that is that David, when you read the Psalms, when you read the scriptures, you see David inviting God. He is continuously inviting God. He keeps inviting him. In the dark places of his heart, he keeps inviting him in his doubts. He keeps inviting him in, in, in the places. So when the one time he didn't invite him, that's when he sinned with Bathsheba. Mm. If, you, if you think about it, that was the one time because he, he didn't invite the Lord. He that's wasn't true. like, God, I'm, what's happening? Like, I'm attracted to this person. He didn't do that. But throughout the, the scripture, you read David is inviting Jesus. And it doesn't sound religious he is simply saying, God, I'm brokenhearted. God, I feel like you abandoned me. God, I'm angry. God, I feel like a worm. Like he keeps telling God, this is what I'm feeling. This is how I'm experiencing life. And I'm inviting you into this place. And that's what really kept the presence of God in his life. And that's, what, that's like our charge to you is to, to trade intensity for intimacy. To understand the value of intimacy. You know, um, no one died early in their life because they didn't jump out of a plane. Or they didn't bungee jump. Or they didn't race cars. Like, it wasn't a lack of adrenaline that killed someone. But babies, humans, people, animals die because of a lack of intimacy. And so there are those fractures in our past. One of the, things that, one of the reasons why we go back to dead things is because the dead things will sometimes, usually, most of the time, give us a feeling of intensity, but there's nothing intimate there. 
And so we've got that confused. And what we've learned is we've learned how to satisfy the deficit of intimacy with the thrill of intensity. And we got to change that. Your generation has to change that right now and just learn how to understand the value of intimacy to taste and see that it is good and it is paramount and it's everything. You were created for attachment. We were all created for attachment. We are born, you know, even when you think about how you're born, you're in, you're in like a big hug, right? Like in your mother's belly. That's how you came into the world, in this like big hug. And so the Lord wants your heart to be attached to him. If, and that's what we're looking for. You know, when we're, when we're trying to do all these things, we're looking for that attachment, that longing, because every part of us wants that true attachment. And so as long as we keep doing all these other things, we're missing out on, the, on, our, on our attachment to Christ. So we just want to encourage you. You know, if there's, let me, let me just say this. If there's, if there's things that are, that are painful in your, in your past, I just want to encourage you, start inviting God to the, in those places. As you do that, you'll start to get more and more attached to Jesus. If, if you don't feel like, no, I'm good, like, I don't, I'm just like, you know, having a party, I just want to encourage you, you know, you can have a party with Jesus too. <laughs> you can invite him there too. You can have a party with God, and that's going to be even better than any party that you could ever go to. Amen. So good. Um, and I just want to second that, that I think one of the biggest challenges for us if we have not really experienced intimacy with God is believing that it's better than the intensity of sin. But man, I want us to, to take a look at that scripture again in Psalm 27, 4, and just take a moment to think about that and, and imagine if that were the posture of your heart. Can we put that scripture up again? Psalm 27, 4. It says, one thing I ask from the Lord. Just one thing. Imagine if your prayers were just one thing. If, if your desire for intimacy with God were so great that it were just the one thing that you asked from him. This only do I seek. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. Men. We're, we're about to have the worship team come out right now um, and take a moment to, to meditate on this because this should be the cry of all of our hearts. As human beings, God created us in and out. He knows us intimately. And what you're seeking, what you're looking for, even if you don't realize it, because some of you guys are like, I'm not looking for intimacy right now. It's not like that's not what I'm looking for out here. I'm looking for intensity. You don't realize that you're settling for intensity. And some of you guys are like, I have been looking for intimacy, but man, it just feels like God's so far off. Like, how could I really have intimacy with God? Like, how could intimacy with God really replace the intimacy that I find in certain conversations, even though I know I'm edging when I'm doing it? How could the intimacy with God really replace the intimacy that I experience in certain relationships um, or watching certain things? How could it really give me the fulfillment? Because you talked earlier about contentment versus fulfillment. And man, I want to encourage you guys and invite you to, to really actually give God a chance in this area. If God is saying that he can really fulfill you, I mean, to the point that it would just be the one thing you desire. Like God and just knowing him, just experiencing him could be the one thing you desire above everything on this planet. That's true for you as well. It's not just true for some guy who lived thousands of years ago. It's not just true for David. It's not just true for Jesus. It's not just true for pastors. This is a human thing. You were made in the image of God and you were not made to function without God. Just like electronics aren't made to function without electricity. I mean, it's, it's that simple. Like God is your source. 
And we just wanted to take a moment tonight to to not just glance over like, okay, dead places, Delilah. We had we had a great time with the message. And I know that it, it spoke to a lot of our hearts and, and, and it stirred up some convictions. But we know that it's a, this is about the long haul. And the long haul has to be, I'm going after Jesus with everything that I have, with everything that's in me. That's the only thing that's going to keep you from walking up to a dead place. That's the only thing that's going to keep you from from falling into the temptation that Delilah brings, offering you temporary satisfaction. The only thing that's going to help you to navigate like staying away from temporary satisfaction is knowing that you have permanent satisfaction in God. It's the only way. That's the only thing that helped me actually navigate this. Like as I shared with you guys last week, that this was, I couldn't even imagine. Like starting my walk with God, I could not imagine living it, like having a relationship with sexual purity. I couldn't even picture it. But here's what I had found. At that point, uh, when I was having that conversation with my friend, I told you guys about last week, I was saying, I don't know how, but I'm going to. Why? Because I knew that I wanted God more than anything else. And man, I want to I want to encourage you guys that you don't have to just like continually bump your head until you're tired of it. God can fulfill you right now, even if you haven't gone into like, you know, all these, you know, depths of sin that we could talk about. Even if you, you don't feel like you're navigating addictions, you know, or any of those things. It's not about that. This is not about just navigating addictions and traumas and and challenges. This is just about the fact that we all need intimacy with the Lord. And some of you guys feel like you don't hear from God. And so it's hard for you to to picture intimacy. And uh, that's another reason why I invited you guys in, because you guys actually teach in the forward class about how to identify and hear the voice of God. Um, And before we go into that time, I just wanted to ask you guys to, to maybe share some things and pray over us so that as we step into this time, it's not, I know there are just some people who are like, all right, everybody else might, you know, hear it, but man, I've tried, or, you know, I've tried to have intimacy with God and, and I just want to give you guys an opportunity to minister to us so that we know how to open the door of our heart. Because Jesus says he stands at the door and knocks. And if anyone opens the door, he'll come in and he'll sup with us. He'll have a meal with us. He'll engage with us. He'll have conversation with us. And, and that's, it doesn't exclude anybody. And I, I just wanted to give you guys an opportunity to, to just share with us. So if you'll stand to your feet. Um, and we'll all stand to our feet. And if you could just share a few things and pray um, for us to help. Yeah, absolutely. Can I just say this really quick? I really feel like um, there's a mode here when we start to like, wind down that we're getting ready to leave mode. Can I just encourage you a few minutes to sit? Sit with the Lord, uh, the love of your soul. Um, he's with you. And I believe that the Lord wants to talk with you and to share with you. I, I think there's this place of we haven't seen the Lord really operate in a large capacity like this because we've been subjected and confined to our rooms and maybe there's some people feeling lonely in here and they don't know how to interact and there's this space this mask in between us and other people and i want to go into this place where um moses is walking and he sees this bright light around uh kind of kind of the silhouette of the mountain he comes over and he sees this burning bush and i think there's something beautiful that happens here Uh, god makes contact with moses and uh, moses faces this burning bush and he approaches it and god begins to speak and the one thing that god says is something very beautiful and i think that we miss this in our culture so much god says whoa hey uh, take off your shoes because this is holy ground and we kind of use that as religion and, and reverence. But what I feel God is saying to his son is be bare with me. I want the soles of your feet to touch the very ground in which I possess and inhabit. And let there be no separation between you and I. In essence, God is inviting us as children, as sons and daughters to be skin on skin with him. And it had to be because it was in that intimate exchange where the sandal wasn't even blocking Moses' flesh from touching the ground that God was on 
It was in that place where God gave Moses one of the greatest visions that he would ever receive. But before he walked into that greatness, there had to be intimacy. And a lot of you are wondering, Lord, what am I to do next? Where am I going? What's my next direction? And God is saying, halt, before I give you instruction, before I reveal more of your purpose, let's be one. Let's be intimate. Take off your shoes and be bare with me. Let there be no barrier between us. And what I'd like for you to do is to enter your own sacred space right now where there's nothing separating you from God. Whatever that looks like. If you want to worship with your hands up, if you want to weep, if you want to drop to your face, whatever that looks like. This time of worship, let it be about you and God. Let it be about you answering the invitation to the Lord saying, I've got something for you. I've got a plan and a purpose. Before we get there, we got to connect. Oneness has to happen. Amen. So let's go ahead and and pray. So Lord Jesus, we just want to bring our whole selves before you. You have already invited us to come boldly into the throne. And we want to say, God, I want to bring my whole self before you. The broken pieces and the healed pieces. The places of us that we are proud of and the places of us that we're ashamed of. The places where there's delight and the places where we find brokenness and desolation regret and sorrow and death and darkness because you call us to bring our whole selves before you not because you want to chastise us because you want to like point out every little thing that we didn't do today that we should have done but because you want us to experience what it's like to be in the presence of the King of Kings and him take off his robe and take off his beautiful crown and just get on his knees and open his arms out to us. Just the way that I do with my little sons and my little daughter. I just get on my knees and I embrace them. I'm no longer this tall person above them. I am like, I am eye to eye, breath to breath. And that's what you want us to experience. Because if we can just experience that, if we can just experience that, I brought my whole self before God. I didn't have to, I didn't have to like, dismember my soul or dismember the dark things that I know so that I could be good enough. If I can just experience that I can bring everything before Jesus and feel his breath and see him eye to eye and see compassion and love in his eyes, that he's not disgusted by me, that he's not afraid of my darkness but he welcomes me if we can just experience that we will never be the same we will begin to invite him into our stories we will begin to to attach our hearts to his heart we will have a heart-to-heart relationship with Jesus Christ And no longer will anyone have to tell us, don't touch this, don't go there, don't go over there. Because because we are not going to want those things. It's going to be an organic relationship, connection, attachment. And so, Father, that's what we want. And we want to position our hearts in a place of worship before we enter that place. We want to, we want to, position our hearts to understand what we are really doing when we come and we engage our hearts with Jesus and we want to have that moment 
where we say, Lord, I want to invite you here. I don't think I've told you this before. You know it, but it's healing for me to say it to you. And so we're going to have a moment where we get to talk to Jesus and we get to bring our whole selves before him. And we get to say, God, I want to invite you here. I want to invite you here. In Jesus' name. God, we want to pray also for the blood of Christ over every single person. We plead the blood of Jesus. As we've been hearing all these messages and they are explicit and maybe they've triggered things in us. And we just want to pray, Father, that you take us to the place where we can begin our healing journey. Many of us need to enter that place where we begin our journey of healing with you. Many of us have been afraid to go there. Maybe we thought, but I should be okay now. I, I, I got saved, so I'm good, right? But, but there's a soul part to who we are, mind, emotions, your will, that takes a journey with Christ. So Father, we pray that you envelop every single person here, that you shield them and that you guide them in the journey that you have created for them to journey with you. Let us open our hearts to you again. Let us come in that posture of, God, my heart is open to you. And if you feel like your heart is closed, just say, God, I just want to open my heart. I think my heart is closed. I need you to help me open it to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thank you for listening. We're so glad to have you as a part of our community. If you want to get connected any further, please visit fusionatl.org. You can get plugged into a small group there, and you can also send in a prayer request so that we can pray for you. Once again, thanks for listening, and thanks for being a part of Fusion ATL.